my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Questions for God. This is the show when you can ask difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, Minister of the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. If you have any questions, you can text them to our desk on 0438 066635. That's 0438 066635. This week, we've been asking one of the biggest questions possible. Is talk about the end times just sensational fear-mongering? Our specialist in the hot seat today is Pastor David Butcher, David's president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. David is actually my boss, so you'll be, you'll understand if I treat him with kindness and respect today. He's been a pastor of many years standing. David, welcome. It's great to have you on board. Great to be here, Gary, and great to have our listeners as well. Uh, no, no, I, I think we're going to be richly blessed by what you're going to share with us uh, today. But David, tell us a little bit about, about yourself. Now, you're a, you're a family man? Yes, I am. I'm married to uh, Megan for 25 years next January, and we have two children, Emerson and Alia. Yeah, I notice your hair is actually going a little grey. Yeah, it's uh, probably the last five years. Is that because of marriage or children? Um Maybe a bit of both. <laughs> uh, now, tell me, uh, David, now, have you always been a person of, of faith? Tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, have you always been a, a person of faith? Yeah, great question. Um, look, I grew up in a Christian home, um, second-generation um, Seventh-day Adventist, I was. Um, my father was first. And, um, yeah, grew up in a Christian home, uh, practicing Christian faith, a strong family, uh, spiritually, but I must say in my latter teen years to early 20s, um, there was the head knowledge but not the heart knowledge. Okay, okay. So you, you, you've always worked for the Seventh-day Adventist Church then? No, no. So, um, yeah, I spent about 15 years in business, uh, footwear, clothing and transport, both in Victoria and in South Australia. Okay, okay. So, so so what did you have to do when you were in in those uh, those roles? Yeah, look, um I was uh, at the head office of RM Williams uh, in South Australia as a buyer. Uh before that I was a fleet controller for a transport company. Mm-hmm. And then before that I was a, a warehouse distribution manager for another clothing company in Melbourne. Okay, okay. Uh, that, that that gives you a wide and a vast amount of experience in a number of different areas. Look, it's blessed me in interacting with people, yeah. um, all different sorts of people from all different cultures and backgrounds. Mm, yeah, no, it certainly has that impact, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. No. Look, uh, tell me something. Now, you're the president of the Seventh Day Adventist Church in South Australia. Now, what does a president actually do? Yeah, sort of a, a weird name, isn't it? I, I guess in one sense with a religious organisation, a church, I would be considered, I guess, the lead pastor. So in South Australia, we have about 35 congregations okay. spread over the whole state. And we also have uh, three schools with um, uh, about 1,400 students in, across three schools. And uh, we have a community service agency called ADRA, Adventist mm-hmm. Development Relief Agency, that operates op shops and food pantries and emergency relief uh, packages, etc. So, I guess we have a um, we have a hand in um, guiding, overseeing, supporting 
um, our ministers on the front line and also our teachers and our leadership teams in our schools. Okay, so how many church members would the uh, would the Seventh Day Adventist Church have in South? I mean, that's uh, I mean, it's not a large congregation. I don't imagine. No, we have three thousand baptized members. Okay, about three thousand right throughout the state. Yes, in about thirty thirty odd congregations. Yes. Okay, okay. Well, just tell me, right now we're going through the COVID um, issue. Now, what do you sense as being some of the, I suppose, the biggest challenges for the church at this particular time? I think one of the the challenges that probably all congregations of Christian faith and and non-Christian faith Mm. face is not being able to meet together face to face. You know, um, the writer of Hebrews says, you know, don't forsake the gathering together and, and meeting together. So that is a challenge, particularly for those that aren't connected uh, through media. That's one thing. I think the other thing is that, um, uh, and it's attached to that, uh, people's faith can wax and wane mm-hmm. uh, if their source and their their spiritual food occurs only on that one day a week when you come together to worship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's others as well, I guess. Okay, okay. So how how are you and who in the church attempting to address that particular issue? Because I'm interested in your comment particularly that a person's faith can wax and wane if they just rely on the one day a week type of attention. We'll, we'll, I'd like to dig into that just a little bit more in, in a moment. Yeah, so our, our pastoral team has adapted um, incredibly well and mm-hmm. very quickly to uh, not being able to worship in our facilities, in our churches. And um, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we worship on Saturday. We follow the the scriptures. Um, But for any denomination, it's very easy to get caught up into that three or four hours on that one day a week for us Saturday. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is church. Mm -hmm. When reality, a church is the group of people that come Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And so I think this has given us a really incredible time and opportunity to refocus on what church is. It's not the building, it's not the facility, it's not the program, it's the people. And one of the challenges, but also the opportunities we have, is to engage with our people to connect with the community in far greater ways. Okay, that that sounds incredibly exciting. Uh, as uh, I, I, I'm really interested, though, what does a person have to do uh, to, um, to to maintain that spiritual connectedness uh, for more than the you know three hours a week that you you spoke of? Yeah, I believe it's all about a relationship. And when I was dating my wife, we were long distance. Uh, many years ago before cheap mobile plans Mm. or anything. And it was about being continually connected. So we would be on the phone eight or nine phone calls a day for Mm. probably a couple of hours in total. That's what maintains a relationship. So it's the communication, it's the connecting. Mm. So for a Christian... It's being a seven-day-a-week Christian. It's, it's spending time in the Word, in prayer. And also, so it's, it's, this, it's prayer, it's study, and it's sharing. Mm. So a Christian grows and a Christian's faith becomes real mm. when they actually put into practice what they're actually 
learning and studying. Okay, okay. I think what we're doing is digging into something much, much deeper here that, uh, to me, I think is well worth us exploring as we move along because, uh, to me, this this concept that uh, worship and uh, and religion is more than what I do just on one hour or two hours a week, I think is just so important. Uh, that's something I'd really like us to actually be able to dig into. But before we do, let's come to uh, to some music. This is uh, Gavin Chatillia and uh, he's actually singing as water to the thirsty. That is what we've just been speaking about. to Faith FM Drive Time Big Questions for God with Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher 
This is the program where we look each week at the difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. If you have any questions, you can text them to our desk at 0438 635. This week we're talking about the end times. Is talk about the end times just sensational fear-mongering? Today I have with me in the studio Pastor David Butcher, President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. It's fantastic to have David, Have fantastic to have my boss with me today to make sure that I'm doing the job properly. It's good to be able to check up on you. It is indeed, it is indeed. Welcome, welcome to you, David. YOLO. It was a quote that was popularised back in 2012. It's actually an acronym for you only live once. Back in that era, I can well remember teenagers were wearing bracelets with YOLO emblazoned on them. It actually shot to fame thanks to the rapper Drake, whose song, the motto, has a hook, you only live once. That was the motto, Y-O-L-O, YOLO. In 2012, it quickly became the buzzword through the turbocharged vehicle of social media. It seemed that every teenager was simply saying YOLO. Significantly, though, you know, that term wasn't actually original with him. Others had said it before him, and since him, others have actually picked it up. You only live once, but if you do it right... Once is enough. Who said that? Well, that's back in the golden age of Hollywood, Mae West. You only live once, but I just don't want to waste a minute of my life. Who said that? Well, that was Richard Branson. And then, of course, there was Nancy Regan. Her her statement was a little bit longer. She said this, You learn something out of everything, and you come to realise more than ever that we're here for a certain space of time, and then it's going to be all over, so you'd better make this one count. Nancy Regan. For me, life is about enjoying yourself, because you only live once. This is in more recent times. We should try to make the most out of things and follow our dreams. That's Heidi Klum. And then, of course, you've got from the science world, you've got the recently deceased Stephen Hawking. I want to encourage public interest in space. I've never let my condition stop me. You only live once. You see, this is a a repetitious statement. It's a statement that people firmly believe they hold on to. The challenge, of course, is, is it correct? David, you're you're a minister of the gospel. How do you react to a statement, to a quote like this? You know, you only live... Have you heard it before? I have heard it. I haven't recognised all the various people that have used it, but I've certainly heard it. You've heard it? How do you react to it? It's troubling, actually, because it leaves people with no hope that if you don't get it right in this life, if something goes awry, if something goes astray, then you've got nothing. Mm. Um, so it's fatalistic almost. Mm, mm. Well, it, it, it assumes that there is a there is an 
end point to this life beyond which there is nothing at the other side whereas you know all this week we've been talking about the uh, coming from the Christian scriptures and the things that we've been looking at is we've seen that repetitively we've had Christ talking to his disciples and saying hey there's more beyond where we are today there's something else on the other side and if it's not like you've just said if it's not like scripture says and if things don't go your way in this life and you only live once, it could be a pretty miserable existence. And as we've seen with COVID-19, the best plans can just go melt. And the reality is, is that certainly in, as I've um, experienced my life, there have been, been some people that life has not been fair to them. You know, I mean, there are some people who are born into wealth and luxury. Uh, there are others, though, uh, that they come into this world. I think of, you know, people who don't live in this country. You know, they live overseas. They live in uh, in famine-strewn um, Central Africa Absolutely. somewhere. And simply because of where they're born, they, uh, they, they struggle their entire life. Yeah, and look, just reflecting on this, Gary, I recall when I was younger, without grey hair, um, my cousin, uh, we were best friends. I employed mm. him. We went to school together prior to that. We spent weekends together. Mm. And um, he was 24, and he uh, developed a brain tumour, only child. 24. 24. And um, for two years after it was diagnosed, he went on a journey of uh, treatments and all sorts of things. And... Um, where I was at spiritually, I was a church attender, regular church attender, mm -hmm. but not connected to God in my heart. And mm -hmm. as I watched my cousin, my best friend, uh, deteriorate and ultimately die, I witnessed his faith, his faith connection. So he was a person of faith? He was a person of faith. Okay. And had a sharp and firm grip on Jesus Christ. And as I watched his personal faith and my own show of faith without the connection mm. in my late teen, early 20s, it shook me up. Mm. And he had no fear of death. He just wanted to know whether he was going to live or die, but he mm. had the certainty of something beyond death when Jesus returns. And so if you only live once, there is not much hope. Okay, okay. I, I, I think you're actually putting your putting your finger on something really important here. Do you know, I'm really conscious that as a uh, as a minister of religion myself, uh, over my the, the course of my life, I probably have have run a couple of hundred funerals now, and I'm so conscious that as I keep running each uh, each funeral, the being able to provide hope is such an amazing blessing. Uh, I I will remember one one funeral that I that I did conduct and uh uh the the funeral can um uh, director came up to me afterwards and he said that hope that you preach is such an amazing hope. Mm. And it was as though I wish I could have 
what you've been talking about here. Because, you know, the thing that I'm so conscious of is when you come to those end-of-life experiences, knowing what is beyond today is actually so important. You know, uh, this is where this Y-O-L-O, YOLO, to me is so problematical. To me, I struggle with this particular concept because it assumes that all I do here is going to be met with a blank wall at the end of the day. Which is ultimately meaningless. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that meaninglessness is actually being transposed across into the world in which we're living today. So we're living in a society that is meaningless because it it offers ultimately no hope. Mm. And we're now in a situation that has been uh, brought upon us rather quickly where the institutions that we thought we could trust in uh, don't have the solutions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that is incredibly powerful, isn't it? Because it starts to, we can almost assess the institutions that we've actually been able to, uh, we, we've been living with for so many years. There are some things which are, which are far more solid than the, the things that we work to accomplish day by day. And without hope, people die. You yeah. know, the POWs in prisoner of war camps, yeah. uh, the ones that came through, often it was the story of their hope that they clung to that yeah. kept them going. Yeah, yeah. And hope is such an important aspect of life. And, you know, the beautiful thing to me about the scriptures is what scriptures preach is hope. And this this is the thing we've been speaking about this entire week, this question. And as I, as I look at what the scriptures are saying, I stand in awe at what Christ himself is actually presenting. David, Let's take a break just there because I'm going to get you to um, present to us something from the scriptures in just a, in just a moment. But before we do that, I just love to uh, to come to Alison uh, Krauss and the Cox family. They're singing, "I know who holds tomorrow." What an a statement of faith! Please enjoy. <laughs> I don't know about tomorrow I just live from day to day I don't borrow from the sunshine For its skies may turn to Many things 
FM's free offer today is the final events of Bible Prophecy DVD, exploring what the Bible says about the future and other topics you've heard of, like the rapture, the second coming, and many more. This DVD is available in several languages, including Mandarin, French, Spanish, and Portuguese. To get your free final events DVD, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big questions for God with Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher. Uh, This is the program where we look each week at the difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. If you have any questions, why not text them to our desk? That uh, number is 0438 066635. We'll respond to your questions if we can immediately. If not, we can run an entire show on your questions. So please send your texts to 0438 066635. Today we're asking one of the biggest questions in the scriptures is talk about the end times, just sensational fear-mongering. And I do have with me in the studio Pastor David Butcher. He's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. David, this week's question comes to us in so many different forms. Um, since the COVID virus has been happening out there, I've had people ring me up. I've had people talk to me. They've shared with me. Uh, they've asked me what is actually going on in the world in which we're living today. But this question, talk about the end time. Is it just sensational fear-mongering? Um, David, 
what do the scriptures actually say? Can, can you share with us? I mean, what's your understanding? I mean, is there hope or is it fear-producing stuff? What's your thoughts? Look, great questions. And just as a sideline, I mean, you look at some of the huge Hollywood movies about the end of the world. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's fear-mongering. Oh, yeah, yeah. We looked at those earlier in the week, okay, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And look, you've talked about prophecy and the purpose of prophecy. To put it simply for me, uh, prophecy has three key things. Mm-hmm. One is confidence. So prophecy is something, biblical prophecy aids us in having confidence in the future, Mm -hmm. confidence in the Word of God because of what's already come to pass. Secondly, context. It gives us a picture of roughly where we are at in in biblical prophecy in world time, so to speak. It paints a big picture, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's true. And then lastly, it gives us a picture of Christ. Mm. And anything where Christ is not central Mm. is not worth touching. Mm. Mm. So your question, Gary, was um, is it fear-mongering or does it give us hope? Mm. And so for me, I guess I'd just like to share a few things. And as we talk, it'll be very interesting. 1,500 prophecies uh, can be found in Scripture regarding Jesus' second coming, his return. Wow, yeah. And it has been said by one author that for every prophecy of Jesus' first coming – there are eight regarding his second coming. Wow. And I don't know about you, but if you were to look, and we won't have time for this Mm. today, Mm. but the prophecies of Jesus' first coming, Mm -hmm. they were phenomenal. Mm. They were Mm. specific. Mm. uh, And they were given, many of them, hundreds and hundreds of years in advance. Yeah, yeah. And they came to actual perfect fulfillment in Jesus Christ, his death, the manner of his coming, everything. And so many Christians today don't actually realize that within the scriptures you've got this prophetic element where you actually see fulfilled prophecy that has occurred that has impacted human lives. Exactly. And so it's the the surety and the fact that what was promised with Jesus' first coming actually occurred, it actually Mm. happened, Mm. that gives us confidence with the prophecies regarding his second coming. Okay. And it is said that one in every five verses of the New Testament has a reference to Jesus' second coming. Wow. Wow. So for me, Mm. for me, the um, foundation of the Christian hope happened at Calvary. Yeah. Yeah. But the focus of the New Testament believers was on the return of the one that they loved, the return of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so as New Testament as people living post the cross, our focus it shouldn't be on fear. It shouldn't be looking backward. It should be looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's powerful. That is powerful. Tell us, tell us more. I mean, I reflect on that. I suppose I'm reflecting on, you know, the early, I suppose, Acts chapter one. You know, you get the story of the ascension of uh, of Jesus. But, you know, and so often in our theology, we see the ascension of Jesus. You know, some churches call it the assumption. Hmm. But, but here we, we actually find that there's actually a promise given at the same time. Absolutely. It, you know, in Acts 1 verses 9 to 11, um, we have these two men dressed in white. We know they're mm, angels. Mm. And Jesus, this, this man that the disciples have loved, is now being taken up from them. Uh, their hopes were built on him. Mm. They thought he'd be the, the, the governor, the world leader, mm. everything. And now Jesus is going. 
And these two men in white, these two angels, says they say, why are you looking up into the heavens? This same Jesus, the one that you've walked and talked with, will come back in the same way you saw him go. In other words, Jesus' departure was visible. It was audible. It was physical. It was literal. And when Jesus returns, he will come back physically, visibly, literally, audibly. And that really is the is the repetition. In fact, it almost gets um, repetitious to the point of ad nauseum in in the New Testament. Because I am conscious that this is what uh, this great apostle Paul continually comes back to this theme. You get. Peter, in his books, he comes back to this, uh, to this theme. This is what they're living for. It's a, uh, they, they understand, they, they realize that Jesus Christ has done something for their lives at the cross, but the resurrection actually defeated death. Absolutely, absolutely. And so when Paul, in Titus 2.13, when he talks about the return of Jesus, he says this, he says that we are looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm. Now, there's no fear-mongering there. This is hope. So the second coming and the return of Jesus is the answer, the con- almost the conclusion of all of the problems. Jesus has come back to take his own. Mm, yeah, that 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 is something that really stands out uh, to me in a in a very beautiful uh, in a very beautiful way. Yeah, and look, Gary, I think one, a really beautiful text uh, which builds upon the the foundation of the cross, but then the focus of the New Testament is Hebrews chapter nine and verse twenty eight, and we see this really clearly here. It says, "So Christ was offered once." To bear the sins of many. That's the cross, the mm. foundation. Mm. But then it says, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I referred just a little, a few minutes ago, about the, the number of funerals that I've actually, that I've actually been, been privileged to lead in uh, throughout my ministry. One of the passages that I most frequently use is 1 Corinthians 15. Now, of course, in this particular passage, what we have is uh, the great apostle uh, Paul is uh, struggling with a church who themselves have some struggles. Their struggle is that a number of their members are actually starting to die. And uh, at the very beginning, you um, uh, you get Paul asking this question. Now, if Christ is preached that he's been raised from the dead, how do some amongst you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? You see, the the, the Christians in the early New Testament uh, period were struggling with this issue of what is there beyond the grave? This is the issue that people struggle with today. Absolutely. And this is a powerful chapter. This is the only chapter of all of Scripture that deals entirely with the resurrection. Mm, it's mm. powerful. It, it, it's, it's powerful. But it's, it's, it's so powerful that to me, I, I frequently actually, when, um, uh, when I'm standing at, at the head of a grave, I might read, I often read this particular passage because just, just, just listen to what it says. It's in verse 13. It's, uh, 1 Corinthians, um, chapter 15, verse 13. Paul is saying, 
But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. And we would be found false witnesses because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then all those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. This is powerful, isn't it? Oh, this, and this, this is mind-blowing. It's challenging. Because if there is no resurrection, then we might as well throw it all away. Th- that's, that's what it's actually saying. But it's saying that if in this life only, if you like, if YOLO is true, you only live once, then what is the point of it all? You know, this, this has been the question of many of the great philosophers that down through the ages, you know, what is the point of the living that we are, we're going on with today? So we're living in a world that Satan is inspiring the culture. Yeah. That there yeah. is no, this is it. Just give it all you've got in this life. But the words of scripture for thousands of years have provided and spoken hope. You know, Gary, I remember um, seven years ago last week was the anniversary of my father's death, and Mm. he was a a godly Christian man. And I was uh, six and a half hours drive from where he was, and a Saturday afternoon I'd just come out of preaching in a church. I had three missed calls from my sister. Mm. And my dad hadn't been well for a while. He was um, 83, nearly 84. And I rang my sister, and... uh, my dad was in hospital and she said, look, the, um, he's in ICU. They reckon you should come down because there's not much time. And I got in the car that afternoon, drove to Melbourne, uh, spent the next day with him. And then the Monday morning I also had with him as well. Mm-hmm. And the Monday morning my wife phoned me and she said, um, our son can't see. He's come early in the morning into a bedroom. I can't see mummy. And I'm feeling sick. I've got a terrible headache. And so she took him to the hospital after ringing nurse on call. And it turned out that he had um, uh, meningitis. Mm. And I'm in Melbourne. I'm six six hours away. I went in to see my dad uh, that last time because um, he said, look, he said, I'm right, David. He said, my faith is strong in God. You go back to your son. Mm. And I remember my last words to his face were – Dad, if I don't see you again in this life, I'll see you in the resurrection. Mm, mm. And without that, what do you have? And that, to me, is the most significant question. You know, in the New Testament, this is incredibly real. This isn't something that is uh, isn't something that is pretend out there. This isn't something that is uh, just a hope. In fact. I actually point out to people that in the New Testament, do you know, this is not presented as a faith statement. No. Because Jesus has risen from the dead and the disciples were eyewitnesses of it, what this is presented as is something that was evidence-based. You know, we are actually, we talk a lot today about evidence-based material. This is a reality, isn't it? This is the reality. In the New Testament, this is not being presented as a faith statement. This is being based as an evidence-based reality. And when you hold on to that, and when you see it that way, as Scripture portrays it, you have power. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And our world needs this message of hope. 
And, and, and David, I think that that is the, is the brutal reality. We have a world at the present time that has no hope. They've actually moved a long way from Christian principles. They've moved a long way from the hope that the, the, the scriptures present. And we have people wandering around, struggling, saying, why oh, hello, you only live once. Let's live a hedonistic lifestyle. Mm. Mm. It's interesting, John 14, 1 to 3, probably the second most well-known passage of Scripture. Jesus tells his disciple the night of his arrest, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Mm. You know, I'm going to be leaving you. Don't be, um, don't be too distressed. Mm. I'm going away, but I'm coming back. Yeah. And then he says later in that chapter, in chapter 14, he says, I'm giving you peace but not as the world gives peace. So this knowledge of the return of Jesus, the certainty, the fact, the reality, Mm. gives us hope, gives us peace in a troubled world. Yeah, yeah. David, let's go to some music. We'll come back and we'll just talk some more uh, because I'm conscious that our time is starting to get away. Let's go to Randy Travis, Above All. David, I think we'll uh, we'll come back. I'm not sure what exactly is happening right uh, right there. Um, we seem to have. What does the Bible say about the end of the world? Faith FM's free offer today is the final events of Bible Prophecy DVD. Exploring what the Bible says about the future and other topics you've heard of, like the rapture, the second coming, and many more. This DVD is available in several languages, including Mandarin, French, Spanish, and Portuguese. To get your free final events DVD, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843.
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big questions for God with Pastor Gary and Pastor David. Uh, this is the program where we look each week at difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. If you have questions, you can text them to our desk at 0438 0666635. Today we're asking that question, is talk about the end times just sensational fear-mongering? We've looked at YOLO, you only live once. We've said, hey, that's got major, major problems with it. But David, finish off for us. Bring it all together for us. In the New Testament, the talk about the end times in the New Testament doesn't appear to be sensational fear-mongering. It's not. Again, it's just this complete message of hope. It gives us the answers. It puts the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle together mm. that the world is, doesn't realize that it needs to hear. You know, in First Thessalonians 4, Gary, mm. um, verses 13 to 16, uh, the Apostle Paul begins by saying, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, or we would say have died. Um, Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Mm. The Christian has hope. Yeah. Even yeah. through death, because yeah. Jesus defeated death on the cross. Yeah. He rose and he's coming back. And then he goes on to say, uh, in that same chapter, verse 16, he says, with the second coming in mind, mm. for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, yeah. with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, Christ will, will rise, rise first. first. Yeah. This is powerful. Mm. Mm. Jesus is coming. All those dead faith heroes throughout Scripture, our loved ones that have loved and yearned for Jesus yeah. will be resurrected. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Isaiah, the Old Testament, hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ, he says this about the return mm. of Jesus, mm. uh, inspired. And it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him mm. and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This mm. is not fear. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. sadly, for those who don't choose Jesus... He died for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. He paid the price for everyone, but it's only relevant, it's only applicable if we accept it. Mm. There is no fear when we love Jesus. How do I go about accepting Jesus Christ? For me, it's simply asking him into, our, into my life. It's, it's God I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers, but I don't like and I don't believe what the world offers has it so I want to know more about you and it's developing that friendship Gary mm. with you, spending time with him reading the word of God spending time with other Christians pr uh, praying to God which is a conversation with God mm -hmm. because everything is coming to a fulfillment yeah. you know the yeah. very last promise of scripture is powerful the very last promise says share, this. share it with us it says this, yeah. It says, he who testifies to these things, this is Jesus, mm -hmm. says, surely I am coming quickly. Yeah. And then John, this aged prophet, this mm -hmm. aged disciple mm -hmm. says, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so for those people that have asked Jesus to be in charge of their life, that they want him to guide and steer them and, and be their king, um, they are yearning and mm. looking for Jesus to come. Mm. Even so, may it happen, Lord. May it mm. happen quickly. It's so significant that the last passage 
in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, you get this promise, and the promise is one that I'm going to come again. It gives hope for this world. A world that has been struggling for centuries, a solution is offered. It is, and and prophecy... And this is prophecy, what mm. we've just read. Mm. Prophecy contains uh, dates, it contains facts and time periods and, and signs and all these sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, all those things are important, but it's not about prophetic time charts. It's not about signs. It's not about any of those things ultimately. Mm. It's about my friendship or my relationship with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In other words, what we're doing is we're creating uh, here our We're falling in love with our best friend, Jesus Christ. And we're saying, Lord, I want to be with you. And what the scripture does is presents the new earth because the last couple of chapters in Revelation actually talk about the earth being recreated to its, uh, to the beauty that it had in Eden. It's initial state. Yeah. It's initial state. So you have paradise lost, you have paradise regained. And we're not having uh, people floating around on clouds, strumming harps. That's not the picture that's actually painted no. in the New Testament. What we get is real people with real bodies able to engage in real employment in a earth made new. This is tangible. It's tangible. And Gary, I, I don't know, but if there are listeners out there that um, want to know more about this or, or maybe haven't really accepted Jesus, mm. I want to challenge them. And I know you do too. Um, we don't know what the future holds, what the next hour or two hours or next week holds, mm. but we can have certainty in the God who holds the future. Yeah. And so if someone's out there and hasn't accepted Jesus, yeah. I want to invite you and challenge you to ask Jesus to come into your heart, to forgive you for your sins and to steer you and give you a new direction. Yeah. Uh, do you know, that's why I believe that Christ is able to, able to say, uh, in John 14, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I leave you is not like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. To me, that's such a beautiful concept. To me, uh, Christ is giving us a gift that goes beyond the, uh, the, the struggles that are in this, this world. So even though Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going away, but I'll come back some point in the future, the second coming, he leaves a gift. For here and now. For here and now. He doesn't leave us lonely to deal with it on our own. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's why. David, I'm wondering, we do need to to come to our our finish. Uh, David, how would you like to just pray? Just maybe ask particularly for those that that might not have accepted Jesus Christ or those that may have struggles in their life. Would you like to pray for them just now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Let's David. Pray. Father in heaven, we come to you because you are the author of life. You're the sustainer of life. Dear Lord, um, the worlds were created through the voice of Jesus. Mm. And just like he called worlds into existence through his words, today we have the written word, which has the same life-giving power. Father, we know that this world is not headed for an ultimately bright future with humankind isolated from Jesus Christ. But Jesus is coming back to reclaim those who have committed themselves and longed and yearned for him and look for his appearing. Mm. 
Father, we thank you that this is tangible. It is mm. real. It is factual. Mm. The world cannot offer and answer all of our questions, mm. but Jesus has them. He has the answers because he is the answer. Mm. And so, Father, I just want to pray for all of our listeners right across Australia. Father, if there is someone that is struggling, if there is someone that has lost a job, if there is someone considering what next, that there is no hope, this is from Satan trying to encourage us that there is nothing beyond this life, the YOLO. But we know that Jesus is coming again. He's died for you, friend. He's returned to heaven and he's coming back again. And he's given us the gift of his Holy Spirit mm. to be with us, to guide us, to lead us, and to, to, to help train us to know who Jesus is. Mm. And so, friend, if you haven't accepted Jesus, my prayer is that you'll ask Jesus Lord, please come into my life. Mm. I want you to, to take over, to clean me out, to forgive me for what I've done wrong. Mm. Give me the peace, Lord, that can only come from you. Guide me. Mm. And so, friend, if you haven't accepted Jesus, please accept him. Mm. And then as you walk in a new friendship with Jesus, as you spend time reading the Bible and mm. talking to him in prayer, you will grow and you will have that confidence and that hope and that comfort mm. which only God can offer. So, Father, we thank you for your certain and sure word of prophecy. We thank you for that this world is not the end, that this mm. life is not the end for people that are longing for Jesus. And we look forward to that day when Jesus comes back is our prayer in his name. Amen. Thank you, David. Well, well, my friends, it looks like our time's up for today. You've been listening to Faith FM Drive Time, Big Questions for God with Pastor Gary and Pastor David. This is the program where we look each week at the difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David in the Drive Time show today. Next week, we look at another big question. Is the Bible still relevant in the early third millennium? We really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember that Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May the Lord richly bless you.